0: My guilt and pride. Blood of Christ, the Unleavened Bread Ministries presents, From your, hands, your feet, your side. Unleavened Bread Bible Jesus Studies with David Eels.
1: Well, you know, um, back on the 16th, a few days ago, in the morning prayer meeting, I asked for a word that was needed for the brethren, and uh, the Lord gave me Mark 2, uh, 19 and 20, and I got that by faith at random, and Jesus said unto them, can the sons of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then will they fast in that day. And I actually put my finger down on then will they fast. So that got me to, I believe that the Lord was impressing me then to share with the local folks here about fasting. and. And some have been doing that, and also it got me to think about teaching on it, so we started the teaching and um but then, on the twenty first just uh, a few days ago, the Lord gave me matthew nine fourteen and fifteen. actually, my finger came down on then will they fast <laughs> so I'll read that to you it says. Then come unto him the disciples of John, saying, When do we and the Pharisees fast? Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the sons of the chamber mourn, as long as the bridegroom is with them? And as we know, the bridegroom has been taken away, but not for long. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then will they fast. Now, what's the chances of that, saints, huh? Praise God. Then will they fast. The same words uh, on the 16th and the 21st. So, I knew that the Lord was calling us to fast. And, um, of course, I knew it the first time, and we did it the first time, but... Uh, I want to share with you some more about fasting and its importance. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 27. The Apostle Paul, he had many burdens upon him, many troubles, many people coming against him. Uh, much burden for the church, etc. And uh sounds familiar to me actually. Uh, verse twenty seven says in labor and travail, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, in fastings often. Now, I can understand why Paul was in fastings often. I felt some of the same burdens he does. If you look at the text, you'll see why, uh, fasting is necessary and why he was fasting often. I'll just go back to the beginning of chapter 11 and just point out a few points to you. In verse 2, he says, For I am Jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I espoused you to one husband, that I might present you as a pure virgin to Christ, when this was a burden upon Paul, but I fear, and I felt the same fear, uh, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve in his craftiness your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity and the purity that is toward Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we did not preach, of course in that day and in this day, uh, that is a big problem. Or if you receive a different spirit, which you did not receive, or a different gospel, which you did not accept, you do well to bear with him. Well, that was one of his burdens. I'll guarantee you he was fasting about that. Um, and the false leaders that were plundering the church at that time. Um, and he continued a little further down at, uh, on verse 12, he says, but what I do, that will I do that I may cut off occasion from them that desire an occasion. There's obviously some people that wanted to argue with him and, um, find some fault with him and whatever, you know, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, fashioning themselves into apostles of Christ, and no marvel for even Satan fashioneth himself into an angel of light. It is no great thing, therefore, if his ministers also fashion themselves as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So you can see that the devil has, of course, invaded the church in order to destroy it, and uh, he uses people that claim to be and try to put on a persona of being a minister of the Lord, but they're really a minister of the devil. So if you're looking for the devil, you have to look for him in, in, a lot of times in the church, in the ministers. And uh, this was a problem. And you never knew exactly when another one might pop up, you know, because we were warned through Peter that false prophets would rise up among us, right? And so that was a burden to Paul, and I'm sure he was fasting about that. Um, Let's go down to verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as one beside himself, I more. In labors, more abundantly. In prisons, more abundantly in stripes above measure, in deaths oft. Boy, he went through some stuff. And uh in a minute, he's going to tell you why he went through all these things. And, of course, during all of these things, he was fasting oft. You know, um, of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of rivers, in perils of robbers, in perils from my countrymen, in perils from the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, you can see why he would be fasting in order to gain the ear of God, to preserve him through such things. 27. In labor and travail, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, and in fastings often, in cold and And nakedness. Besides those things that are without, there is that which presseth upon me daily. Anxiety for all the churches. Well, amen, Paul. Who is weak? And I am not weak. And who is caused to stumble? And I burn not. Amen. If I must Needs glory, I will glory in the things that concern my weaknesses. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, He who blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king guarded the city of the, the Dam- Damascenes in order to take me, and through a window, I was let down in a basket by the wall and escaped his hands. Fasting seems to have really uh, helped Paul and delivered him. You know, uh, he said in Second Timothy. I'll come back where we were, but in Second Timothy four. In 14 through 18, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord will render to him according to his works. Of whom do thou also beware? For he greatly withstood our words. At the first defense, no one took my part, but all forsook me. May it not be laid to their account. But the Lord strengthened but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, and will save me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, Paul was convinced, because he had experience at this, um, that the Lord would deliver him from every all of these things. One of his methods was fasting and prayer. Very clearly. Now, what is it about fasting that gains The heart of God, well, it's uh, mortifying the flesh. It's weakening the flesh. Uh, There's a purpose for fasting because your spiritual man is heightened and his sense of connection with God is heightened um, through fasting because um, as the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day, right? Uh, the old man is being put down. The spiritual man is being brought forward. And, of course, when you add that with prayer, it's powerful. Powerful enough to deliver us from all of our enemies, as we'll see. In fact, um, he spoke here about weakness, uh, being in weakness, verse 30. His weakness was, all of these times that the enemy came against him and put him in a position where he could do nothing. He was coming to God with no power of his own. And God was answering him because of fasting and prayer. And he said, um, I'll jump down to chapter 12, verse 7. And by reason of the exceeding greatness of the revelations that I should not be exalted over much, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger or an angelos, it's the word angel, um, of Satan, to buffet me. And buffet means to strike many times. And the striking many times, as you can see, was all these enemies that came against him and all the the uh, things that the devil was able to do, and so on and so forth. He was being buffeted. He was being humbled, etc. So the Lord sent him uh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him, that I should not be exalted over much. Concerning this thing, I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he has said unto me, uh My grace is sufficient for thee, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So, you know, just think about Paul being in all these situations where he needed his strength, but he fasted, for goodness sake. He fasted. He was already in a position of weakness because of all these enemies that were coming against him. But, he fasted, which which does what? It even makes you weaker. Um, you know, if you fast, <clears throat> from my experience, uh, you can fast um, for three days, and um, you start. First of all, your things start leaving your body, poisons that are stored up from the things that you eat and breathe, so on and so forth. Uh, they start leaving your body, and uh, you can get have a headache from that a little bit. Uh, You're kind of weak right then and during that period of time. And then usually by the fourth day, you start gaining strength. But uh, if you're praying, some of that strength is God's strength. There are people that have fasted for 40 days and got stronger all the time. There's actually people that fasted for 40 days and gained weight if they had a, had a, a low weight for their size. Gained weight. <clears throat> and uh Paul was furthering his weakness by fasting, um, at least in the beginning. And, uh, you know, he said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This is the reason for fasting, is... You need the power of God. You need God's ear, as we've studied already. You you need him to uh, hear your petition and give answer, right? Uh, That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in weaknesses, in injuries, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Fasting is a putting yourself in a position of weakness before God um, and believing for his strength. And believe you me, that's really the only answer. Because anybody who trusts in their own strength is going to lose the battle. Cursed is the man that trusts in man and maketh the flesh his arm, right? Whose heart departeth from the Lord. You, you, when you trust in your own strength, uh, you're going to lose the battle. Uh, your heart has departed from the Lord. You are not trusting in him as God, as your Savior. You may have strength against an enemy. Uh, but as a Christian, you may find... That it's not enough and, you, and the reason it's not enough is because God doesn't want your salvation to be in your hands. He don't, He will not permit salvation to come through you, your mind, your strength, etc. It may have worked when you were back in the world, but it doesn't work anymore. And that's because God wants to teach you that He is the Savior and He won't have any idols Before him. Including self. Self is the biggest. Of the idols. Okay. So. Paul took pleasure in his weaknesses. Because he knew. That when he was weak. Then he was strong. Because the strength came from God. And God had told him. My power is made perfect. In weakness. He also told him. That all these things. That this angel of satan was bringing against him was not hurting him it was helping him because in these weaknesses god was giving him his own strength oh glory be to god yeah that that rails against natural reason but it's just the absolute truth but the fact is um uh, when you fast, God more quickly hears your prayers, but he hears your prayers. And unless you're fasting uh like in Isaiah 58 with the fist of wickedness, right? <laughs> uh, you know, in other words, to do wrong, um, uh, to have your own will, etc. Uh, but how many times in the scriptures did the people of God know the exact same thing. Didn't matter what age, you can go all the way back through the scriptures. When they were faced with an enemy that was bigger than them, they fasted and prayed. And God answered. Have you got an enemy that's bigger than you? Well, usually people do. And, uh, God of course permits that so that we learn to fight the good fight of the faith and to lay hold on life eternal, to conquer these enemies. And, uh, we, of course, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But in this battle, as we fight with the spiritual enemies, we're actually conquering our flesh because our flesh has the nature of these spiritual enemies. So we're conquering our flesh at the same time. It's important that we fight these battles. Uh, you deny the flesh, it dies. You deny the spirit, it dies. Uh, look, look with me at Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. And he said, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before God. Now, that's very important. Humble yourself before God. When you go to God, humble yourself before him. Fasting is a way to do that. God sees that you're willing to give up your flesh to serve him and to hear from him, right? And to seek of him a straight way for us and for our little ones and for all of our substance. For I was ashamed to ask of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Because he had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them that seek him for good. So he was embarrassed to go to the king and ask for any help. Because he just told him how mighty our God was to save us. So now he was going to the Lord, uh, fasting and proclaiming a fast to the brethren to fast so that they could travel through enemy territory. And, uh, uh, as I read on, you see what that, what, what the reason was. It says, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and He was entreated of us. O oh, glory be to God! Then I set apart twelve of the chieftains of the priests, chiefs of the priests, even uh, Sherabiah, Hashabiah, and ten of their brethren with them, and weighed unto them the silver. And the gold and the vessels, even the offering for the house of our God. So they were going back to Jerusalem, bringing this offering for the Lord. It was a bunch of money. And by the way, I, I imagine that the people around them—not not the people of God, but the peoples around them—knew that this was going that they were doing this. It goes on to say, which the king and his counselors and his princes and all Israel there present had offered. And I weighed unto their hand six hundred and fifty talents of silver and silver vessels, a hundred talents of gold, a hundred talents and twenty bowls of gold. And of a thousand derricks, and two vessels of fine bright brass, of precious gold, excuse me, precious as gold, excuse me. And uh, I said unto them, well, just think about this for a minute. This was a king's ransom here, I mean, for goodness sake, you know kingdoms around them if they would have known for sure what was going on they might have interceded here any kind of enemy might have interceded any kind of uh, uh, people that would um, that would uh, steal the money and and they were going to travel through enemy territory to get back to Jerusalem and they knew um, they needed the help of God. You know, anytime you're in a position of weakness and you've put yourself in a, he put himself in a position of weakness because he wanted to give glory to God. He didn't want this king to think that he needed to lean on the arm of the flesh to be saved. He had already told him how mighty his God was and he wanted to be a good witness, right? And that's a good reason. God recognizes that. And I said unto them, Ye are holy unto the Lord, and the vessels are holy, and the silver and the gold are a freewill offering unto the Lord, the God of our fathers. Watch ye and keep them until ye weigh them before the chiefs of the priests and the Levites and the princes of the fathers' houses in Israel at Jerusalem, in the chambers of the house of the Lord. So the priests and the Levites received the weight of the silver and the gold and the vessels to bring them to Jerusalem unto the house of our God. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go unto Jerusalem, and the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy and the lyre in wait by the way. And we came to Jerusalem and abode there three days. well et cetera etc. Cetera. you can read the story for yourself, but um, because he wanted to be pleasing unto God and because he sought the Lord with fasting and humbled himself before God, God came through right One thing about fasting is I've noticed. You you are more spiritual. You have more faith. Uh, your answers your answers to prayer are quicker. Uh, I don't. There are so many actually. We'll probably study more of them. But these are all true. It's a really good reason to fast. And fasting is not painful. I've done it many many times. You know, you go through a little stage there. You know, um, and. And past that, you don't have any hunger. Usually from the fourth day on, you don't have any hunger. And uh, you you may not have any hunger until, you know, 30, 40 days later. Um, But anyway, turn to the book of Esther. And let's look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 8 on down. You know the story, so I'm not going to go through all of it. I just want to point out some things. And Haman said unto the king Ahasuerus, uh, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are diverse from those of every people neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to suffer them. And if it please the king, let it be written that they be destroyed. And I will pay ten thousand talents of silver into the hands of those that have the charge of the king's business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took his ring from his hand and gave it unto Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy. And the king said unto Haman, The silver is given unto thee, the people also, to do with them as it seemeth good unto thee. Well, that's a horrible thing. But basically, I just want to say that we are approaching here the tribulation, and um, we're approaching uh, bondage for a lot of Christianity, and eventually a death sentence upon the Christians when the whole world hates them and the beast makes war against the saints. We're approaching that. Now, I know there are lesser parables of this, and, and we've been in one ourselves, but but we need to know how to reach God. We need to know that the bride has a, a job to reach God on behalf of the people of God. Verse 12 goes on, it says, When then were the king's scribes called in the first month, on the four thirteenth day thereof, And there was written according to all that Haman commanded unto the king's satraps and to the governors that were over every province and to the princes of every people, to every province according to the writing thereof, (coughs) and to every people after their language. In the name of king Ahasuerus was it written, (coughs) and it was sealed with the king's ring. And letters were sent by posts unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to slay, and to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. Now go down to Esther 4 and 1. Now when Mordecai knew all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud voice and a bitter cry. And he came even before the king's gate For none might enter within the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Well, they knew that this was the way to get our king's attention, right? Fasting and weeping and mourning. And they did. They cried out to God because of the death sentence that was upon them by the beast, so to speak. And uh now Mordecai, of course, he uh got the attention of the, the bride... Esther, who, who sent uh, Chamberlain's to find out what was going on. And, and uh, in verse 7, it says, And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him, and the exact sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given out in Shushan to destroy them and to show it to Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. Now, <clears throat> that's the job, basically, uh, friends of the bride is to, since she does, um have favor with the king is to go before the king for the people of God. She has to have a heart for the people of God. She has to love them for her people. And let's let's face it, the queen has more pull with the king than the people do. All of their fasting is not as powerful as her fasting. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because she is holy. Uh, I'm talking about in our translation of this situation. To, to In the story, she's beautiful to the king. And that means holiness and righteousness and purity and submission. And so her prayers are very powerful because the king is, is uh, favoring her more than all of the people. So... Since she has that position with the king, she should be going to the king for the people. okay that is true now it's true when the beast starts making war against the saints, which right actually we're talking about something coming in a much bigger way than it is now, but the beast is always making war against the saints, so so I would say that's the job job of the bride and hey. Came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Then Esther spake unto Hathach and gave him a message unto Mordecai, saying, All of the king's servants and the people of the king's province do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king, unto the inner court, who is not called, there is but one law for him. And that he be put to death, except those to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. So, uh, you can see that Esther had a problem getting through to the king with her petition. Can you see that? Yeah. Well, there is a solution for the bride to get through to the king with her petition. And it's just a little further down. Let's read some more. Then Mordecai bade them return answer unto Esther. Think not that thyself and that thou, that thou escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether hold thy peace, in other words, if you don't do your job, Esther, at this time, then will relief and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house will perish. Oh my, um, the, the bride would perish if she didn't do her job. If she didn't, ha- she had power with the king. Because of her situation, her holiness, her righteousness, her purity, her um, submission to the king, and his love for her, she had this position. And, he, and Mordecai, the man-child, is saying, if you don't do this, you're going to perish. And who knoweth whether thou art not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Well, absolute. I don't think that's even a question. And uh, then Esther bade them return answer unto Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast in like manner. And so will I go unto the king. So she had a solution. She had a problem getting through to the king with her petition. And she fasted. And she went on to say, Which is not according to law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the entrance of the house and it was so that when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Well, okay, so fasting broke the problem, right? The bride went to the king with fasting for the people of God and received favor because she fasted before going to the king. right? So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. And then the king said unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? And it shall be given thee even unto the half of the kingdom. And that's some pretty good favor, folks. <laughs> and uh, Esther said, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. Well, you know the story. And... Uh, she had quite a lot of favor with the king. Uh, she, you know, had a banquet, maybe got cold feet, had another banquet. <laughs> and then she kind of spilled the beans on um, Haman, who made a big mistake, tripped and fell over her, and the king didn't like that at all. He got totally hot and, um, and decided to hang him on his own gallows. And then he, of course, brought in um, Mordecai and the queen and they um, basically, uh, well, I should say that Esther explained to him the problem about the killing of the Jews and then, of course, Mordecai and the queen came before him and they received favor and he gave them authority. Uh, He didn't take away the authority that he had spoken because once a king of Assyria, excuse me, i back up a little bit. Once a king of the Persians gave out an edict, nobody could reverse it. So, but he gave them authority to write unto the people in his name and he let them seal it with his ring. And just basically, uh, that's where Purim came from, the celebration of this miraculous turnaround in their situation. And in it, of course, the beast was conquered, Haman was hung, and uh, the people were given authority to stand for their life. This authority was passed on to the people through Mordecai, the man-child, and Esther, the queen. Esther the bride, to stand for their life. Uh, you know, we have a, li- a right to life. Jesus Christ gave us life, didn't he not? And uh, we have a right to stand for that. And so they receive power from the king like we receive power from God. Uh, we gain his ear because of fasting, because of proving that that we are serious that this is an important occasion do you know how many prayers you and i have probably prayed and forgotten about they were they they seemingly were not as important to us and maybe we got less answers because of that but when you fast <laughs> you don't you you don't normally forget about those things that you're seeking the king for so earnestly and diligently and once again, we're seeing that an enemy coming against God's people was conquered because of fasting and prayer on the part of the people, on the part of the bride, etc. We need uh, a restoration of fasting and prayer. We're missing out on something that early Christians and earlier with the Jews People understood. Okay, go to Joel chapter 2. First of all, we're talking about the northern army that was coming to attack God's people. And verse 9 says, They leap upon the city, they run upon the wall, they climb up into the houses, they enter in at the windows like a thief. And the earth quaketh before them, and the heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. The stars withdraw their shining. And the Lord uttereth his voice before his army. For his camp is very great, and he uh, is strong that executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? So the Lord is in control of the attacking army. And, uh, and also he wants to see what his people will do. Will they come to him in fasting, in weeping, in repentance, in mourning for their sins? Uh, will they come to him with petitions? He said, you have not because you ask not. Okay. So it's important. Prayer is important. And prayer with fasting is, uh, is, uh, multiplying the power. It is using God's power. It is bringing God's power into the situation because of your own weakness, right? I want to say to you that today, this morning, in our prayer meeting, uh, I received this text, 11, 12, and Merlene received the exact same text. What's the chances of that? So let me read this text to you again. Well, I already read verse 11, and um, which was part of the text in verse 12. Yet even now, saith the Lord, turn ye unto me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. Amazing that. I received this text, she received the same text. The same way, by asking God and believing through faith, he would answer something important for us today. And that's what he gave us. And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth? whether he will not turn and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meal offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Once again, emphasizing fasting to the assembly. And... um, Well, I say it's a good thing for you to pray even now. Saints, there are things set in motion that are going to come against the saints. It's a good thing for you to fast and to pray and to seek God for favor for the people of God. Gather the people, sanctify the assembly, assemble the old men, gather the children and those that suck the breasts and Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Be serious about it, too. Let the Lord know you're serious. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thy heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. Well, amen. The beast is ruling over a lot of the people of God. Actually, uh, actually, at this time, he was the beast was coming against Jerusalem, whom he had not ruled over. He had already. This was a Syrian empire, by the way. They had um, conquered uh, the northern ten tribes. Uh, they had conquered Judah, and they came to Jerusalem, and this is what happened. Uh, that the nation should rule over them, wherefore should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then was the Lord jealous for his land and had pity on his people. Well, wait a minute. We just saw <laughs> that the Lord himself uh was bringing this army against his people. Did he know what they were going to do? That they were going to pray and repent and fast and so on. Uh, well, I'm sure he did, but he wanted the desired effect. And, uh, so they did. They, and because it's, sometimes it's hard to get people to fast. I, I know I've, I've declared a fast before and, uh, some people listen and some don't, but, uh, they got serious with God. Then was the Lord jealous for his land and had pity on his people. And the Lord answered and said unto his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. Boy, this is a total change, isn't it? I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. Well, that's a good promise. We need that for the tribulation, don't we? But I will remove far off from you, that's the bride, which is Jerusalem, right? uh, The northern army, and will drive it into a land barren and desolate, its forepart into the eastern sea, its hinder part into the western sea, and its stench shall come up, and its ill savor shall come up, because it hath done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord hath done great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring. The Lord's their barren fruit, their land is barren fruit. We are the land, obviously, right? For the tree beareth its fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he giveth you the former rain in just measure, and he causeth to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine. Well, this seems to be a turnaround from what they were used to. I mean, why would God say that all these things were coming to the bride? Unless they didn't have them in the first place. And the floors will be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. And I will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palm worm, my great army which I sent among you. Well, there you go. I mean, we know for years the church has been somewhat gobbled up. By the curse, by their enemies, and the great things that God gave back when Jesus came were quickly diminished because of falling into sin and, uh, and into the dark ages. And so God's, when God says, man, I'm going to restore it all to you, that's exciting. That's exciting. And he said, you'll eat Eat in plenty and be satisfied and shall praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. My people shall never be put to shame. There he goes again. Uh, What a promise. Awesome. Uh, In all these cases that we've looked at so far, the people were in weakness against a greater enemy than themselves. And they fasted and prayed and everything took a 180 degree turn. Right? Do you have a very large enemy that's coming against you? It could be a sickness. It could be your husband or your wife. Uh, it could be taxes. It could be <laughs> it could be your losing your home. It could be anything. It doesn't make any difference. It's your mountain, right? Didn't God say in Mark, to "Speak to the mountain, and don't doubt in your heart that what you say will come to pass, and you'll have what you say"? Yes, He did. So it's just whatever a mountain is in your life, whatever it is. It may be sin in you. It may be demons controlling you. It may be, like I said, sickness or other things. So many problems that God's people have. But these things are bigger than us. And we need to go humbly before God to receive his power. Our power is not enough. It won't work. He won't permit it to work. Because he doesn't want us to get satisfied with saving ourselves. Salvation is through faith in him. It is not by works. It is through faith in him. And so he is training us to make sure we understand that, that we will automatically go to him when we got a big enemy. Now, I'm sure they could have dug in, got prepared for the army. They probably would have been slaughtered. You know, um, because it was a huge army. Uh, but that wasn't their answer. Their answer was going to God. They could not conquer this enemy. They went to God. And he heard, glory be to God. We just, we seek the Lord with fasting because we want to gain his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. Anything that could be between us and God needs to be gotten out of the way so that your prayers can be heard. Um, There needs to be repentance, you know. And the bride, of course, at the time that we read that story, was in that position. She was, you know, that glorious person who was deserved being heard because of her righteousness and her purity and those things that make the bride of Christ um, beautiful to Him, Amen. So Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for for bringing this home to us, helping us know where our strength is, and it's not in ourselves, not in our wisdom. It's from you. It's from you. So Lord, we're just asking for your grace today that you're power might be perfect in our weakness. And we just praise and give thanks unto you, O Lord, for that. In Jesus' name.
0: For information, materials, and to contribute, go to UnleavenedBreadMinistries.org Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Can quench my thirsting soul, pure as water, make me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. Oh, Your mercy stands and Your word is true. Oh Jesus, I trust in You. And when I face the darkest night.